Welcome to Philly Cocoa Presents Side Profits Fight Life, episode 54. This is a developer's journey into making cool stuff. I'm Kotro. I'm Steve. And I'm Aaron. And we are Philly Cocoa, a Philadelphia-based Cocoa Heads community focused on Apple development. That primarily, but not exclusively, means iOS, Mac, tvOS, watchOS, and visionOS development. Philly Cocoa's two desires to take you higher on your own developer journey. Ooh, that was right. 99% correct. 99%. Only a t- I think I detected hopefully, only, hopefully. only a tiny There's bit a... of a, of a mispronunciation in one word. Yeah, and and, and uh, hopefully it's the actual number, the correct episode number. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, but yeah, these Although, are getting up there. Uh, actually, I, I was started using, last time I, I used Descript to edit the podcast. Um, mm-hmm. That's the one where... They seem to be more video focused now, but that's the one where it gives you like a transcript. You can edit it with text. Hmm. I'm probably not going to stick with that because it's kind of expensive to do it per month, but I wanted to give it a shot. Still low on an M1 Max machine, but, and it's all cloud based, which I'm not like a huge fan of, and uh, some things, but it's worth trying out. And it, when it has, has two features which are very useful for us. Number one, uh, it has this mode where you can, uh, I guess, using some kind of model to, uh, improve the audio quality, which I tried to use on Kotro, because then this week, just like last week, you have to be using your AirPods. And so it's like it creates studio audio or something like that is what it's called. And okay. it uh, and actually it worked. It helped. I mean, I toned it down a lot. The first pass of it on like its default was way too much, but toned it way back. And it, I think it improved it. And the other thing it does is allows you to go through and find all the ums and stuff like that mm-hmm. that you want to remove and automatically remove them. I might have been a little too aggressive, and I went back a few times and had to fix things and Hopefully it wasn't too weird. So this next time I'll be a little less aggressive with the tooling. How, but, how, how many ums did you find? Does it give you a count? <laughs> yeah, it gives you a count somewhere in there. It, it, it found a bunch. But yeah, sometimes, sure and, and it has other filters too for like repeated words. That one mm-hmm. kind of messed things up when I tried to use it. Uh, but it's useful. It's a very cool tool to try out again instead of just using the standard uh Are standard you on a, on a trial? Pro. Doing no, I had or? to I had to pay for a month in order to get the features I wanted to try because it's oh. it's very limited and I and it, like our podcast was too long to use the free tools for everything. <laughs> so if it was like a half hour maybe episode I could have maybe done, gotten away with it, but and even then I, I, I couldn't have done all of the things I wanted to try. So I was like whatever, I'll put it's it's not cheap though. So it was what was I I don't remember what it is, it was 10 bucks. So so I'm probably not going to keep yeah. with it, but I like to check, uh, I think we talked about before uh, just uh, podcast uh, editing and production, and uh, I'm just always looking for something better than Logic, the more and the traditional editor. I feel like Logic is super overkill for something like a podcast editor. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it is. What's nice about seeing a big transcript, even if it's not 100% accurate, is it's a lot easier to scan if you if you know that you know you you don't need to listen to the whole thing, especially. And then it gives you a transcript in if you really want to publish that. Is Logic or what is the considered the de facto um, cast for uh, the podcasters out there? Or, do you it's know, not, I, I, I don't think it's Logic. <laughs> uh, <what's>, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, well, unless you're a Mac user. Um, what's that open source one? The name I'm, is escaping me. The audio editor. OBS? Not OBS. No. That's that's for um, live stream oh, via... Um, See, all, 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 the audience all, is like all, yelling at us right now. Audacity. Yes, Audacity. Audacity. That Thank one you. is probably very popular because it's free. If you have a Mac, 
GarageBand. I used to use that. That was uh, very popular. These are all variations on the same kind of editor, audio editor. Sure. So stuff like that. And there's a few other ones that are out there that I've seen that are more geared towards podcasts, but they're all kind of work in a similar way, I think. But Descript was one of the first ones I saw that was very different. And as I said, now they seem more focused on video editing because you can you can use it use it as a nonlinear video editor, which I haven't tried yet. Uh, but I think I mean, when I first encountered them, they're all about gas. I'm looking at um, how does that work for video that doesn't have a lot of talking? Uh, well, you have you you set up your your scenes. I think they call them in there. So like your clips, like in a normal you know a normal video editor works where you have a bunch of clips together, yeah. you put them mm-hmm. on like a timeline. Uh, it's it's something like that, but it's not it's not presented that way. It's presented, I think it's more like it's presented like a, like a script where you have scenes and the scenes have the clips in them. I didn't, I only kind of reviewed the documentation. I didn't actually try it yet. But the whole premise of the script, from what I understand from my limited use of it, is that it's, it's more about you know, creating that transcript and working off of it as text. But then it also has more traditional tools in there that, so you can do some editing but it's definitely simpler to get into like versus you know final cut pro you know which i've, I've used to make videos it's uh, it is simpler but it is it's more very opinionated i would say it's opinionated in that respect because it has a it kind of has rails it kind of want, you you do things in a certain way the, the script way mm-hmm. uh, and and then it has certain features on there it's kind of a batteries included type of deal like as i said like the the removing of ums or the audio you know modification a lot of tools have similar things but they're just very easy to use in descript can i I change my voice to have like a darth vader voice (laughs) you know i don't know maybe I, i you can definitely which i haven't tried since an early version of this maybe over a year ago you can record your own voice like you can type in words that you missed and it'll be in your own voice but you had to use to you had to use to train it yeah right right right. but if you Mm -hmm. i don't know if that if it works that way anymore if it can actually train it from the recording data i don't know but you would uh at that time i use it once you train it and then it would be able to repeat words so you could fix little things in there i don't know i I think it's pretty cool product i just Mm -hmm. i don't think i'm gonna stick with it yet mostly because i I felt like I, at first I was more productive, and then I kept finding errors. But it's probably mostly my own fault for being too aggressive with their their automatic, um, you know, features. So when they say it will get, does it spot the ums and allows you to do like the find and replace, basically, of like find and just remove, or um, or does it automatically do it and it tells you post process, like all right, here are you, all the ums we took out. There's a there's several filters you choose and you say I want to remove ums, and then you can have it just automatically do all of them it finds, or you can go one by one and and it'll highlight them all in the transcript. You can find them right, and right, fix them, right. and it looks for okay. I think the waveform, and then it uh, and it that synchronizes with the script, so it removes in the mm-hmm. script. But sometimes it's a little aggressive, so there's a way you can look at the audiograms at the bottom, and kind of mm-hmm. just move a little slider around so that you you undo some of it. So there's so there's adjustment gotcha. controls in there, but if you have a lot of them that you've gone through <laughs> and removed, <laughs> then it's a lot of a lot of work. And then, wondering, is it is it worth it? Because there's sure. other ways you can do that with plugins and other tools to mm-hmm. uh, on a more professional workflow. Which uh, Descript feels like it's prosumer to me in my limited use of it more than 
like straight up professional, which mm-hmm. uh, I guess leads us into our primary topic today. Segway. Segway, which Segway, is great which at. Is, <laughs> <laughs> which I, we wanted to talk a bit about the Apple's Scary Fast event. And there, that was that was pretty fast. Yeah, it, it, yeah, and just to, to focus on the the specifics of a lot of people doing that, but but uh, what we thought was that it was really demonstrating uh, new opportunities. Perhaps we want to talk about new opportunities for developers, for creatives, maybe for businesses that are now more uh, available than ever because of the recent technological changes uh, out of Apple last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, there are, I mean, I kept thinking about it from a standpoint of like, what are the, you know, all these newer available to us, the increased amount with the M3, we have ray trav, um, um, mesh shading, um, you know, if you have any of the new um, the iPad Pros or the iPhone Pros, you have LiDAR scanners, uh, or even like Vision Pro with its sweat like there's plenty of opportunities. They're a uh, content creator, quote unquote, or um, uh, uh, an application developer. Uh, one of the things I'm still curious about, you know, if I was to build an app, or, uh, you know, on my own, where are my, where are the sort of opportunities I see from, um, uh, that I could take advantage of um, and, and build something pretty cool. It's, uh, is the way I'm sort of looking at these is my is the way I look at the opportunities. I mean, look at the opportunities from a content creation standpoint in terms of like um, how do I utilize, for example, um, the iPhone the iPhone 15 Pro. They talked about how that whole scary event video flybys, a lot of you know uh, zoom ins and all sorts of high production value um, set pieces, but they still at the core of it was an iPhone 15 Pro that was used to sort of uh, take the actual videos. Um, something yeah, about so that. The, the big thing from the event, besides the actual products, which we might talk about mm-hmm. a bit, but since you mentioned it, was the very end after the Apple logo appears, it says in fairly large font, so you notice it, I think it said filmed on iPhone, yeah, uh, edited, edited on Mac. On iPad. Yeah, yeah on, on, on iPad would have been good. No, Mac. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think even Apple's like, now nah, our iPads aren't quite uh, ready yeah, for that yeah. yet. I mean, it's only <laughs> been like how iPad. many years. But no, the, the, th- the it's caused a bit of a firestorm on uh, the social medias, which I thought was amusing and odd in my, in my view, because I thought it was pretty obvious what they were doing. The showing was demonstrating very clearly that you can take an iPhone Pro Max, iPhone 15, uh, you know, Pro Max, slot it into a prof- an actual professional workflow at the level that Apple finds acceptable. Like it's apparently everything else was essentially the same as they would have done for any other keynote type event. Same kind of lighting and rigging, and and they had drone shots, and all professional editing and color grading, all that kind of stuff. But they used the iPhone as the actual camera, and some people like uh, on the internet <laughs> were confused by this, I think. And they, they thought Apple was being disingenuous somehow because they, they had all this other equipment. But what I think was going on is they were just trying to say, yeah, we call this a pro device. Here's mm-hmm. an example of professionals, like highly paid professionals using tens of thousands of dollars in equipment 
and they're able to use an iPhone in that same workflow, they might otherwise use a much more expensive camera. But it's not really about the, ex- I, I don't think it's really about the expensiveness of the camera because it's like the camera's not always the most expensive thing. It's about the fact that you could use an iPhone there. And I think that has implications uh, down market, especially. You know? I think that, you know, I don't, I don't know, like I, I've always been sort of like perplexed about people who sort of poo-poo the iPad and they're like, yeah. I'm confused by it in that sense of like, it's like, well, the thing about the iPad that I think people don't get is like a lot of people who like, we've talked about this before, is like digital artists or, or people who are on the go a lot that as a way to like sort of sketch out ideas, uh, draw their comic books, um, do their DJ sets on, uh, you know, make music with, uh, write novels on. It, it just it's malleable in so many yeah. different ways from a professional tool point of view. And you would never have known that that was done on an iPad or iPad Pro in a lot of cases. Yeah, um, right. Right now, people do use iPads in full fledged, highly paid professional settings. Not just one thing I thought was stuff. kind of funny, uh, was hilarious. Like, so a, a game uh, came out, which is a very triple A game, com, very popular, right. huge, on, huge on the console and PC. Uh, and it came out on the Mac a while ago, and that was optimized for metal. Uh, one of the interesting things was when the iPhone 15 Pro came out, um, basically that that processor was powerful enough <laughs> to for you to actually play a fully-fledged Resident Evil 8 AAA game with all the, with all the trimming, you know, trimmings and, you know, whatever, raging and all that stuff right out the gate and then the interesting is because the iphone 15 uh, pro had a um, connector uh, a port you can connect it to an external monitor and also uh, connect your ps5 controller to the iphone and play it as if it was a console yeah i i we might have talked about that briefly but i i remember seeing the a clip on on x on x i, I think it was x on <laughs> Can't hear that social network anymore without saying it weird. <laughs> without, without, like, yeah. Weird, but... <laughs> the, I, I saw a clip, uh, and it was uh, playing, playing using the iPhone as a console, essentially, which right with, right, with right. everything, and that's uh, that's interesting. That is is in the in the same vein as we're talking about filming on an iPhone. Uh, you now have this first generation. I mean, even the fourteen, the thirteen were pretty good, but this is really the first generation that 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 you could play, as you said, a game that was originally meant for like an actual console and a computer port. Right. It's not a mobile version of it, right? It's not a different version. No, it's the, no. it's the same. Fact, don't, so don't, don't play it with a touch screen. Yeah. So <laughs> this is that's, horrible. <laughs> yeah. So we have this new generation of devices coming out powered by the advancements Apple's been making in their Silicon and uh, sure. other aspects of their, you know, their, their mm-hmm. software and, and hardware. And that's interesting because if you're a game developer, Apple really does seem to be now with the M3 line, and is it I is it A17 now? A17 Pro is a chip, right? Is that what it's I called? A17 Pro, yeah, yeah, something Pro, A yeah. something Pro, <laughs> and the, the new iPhone <laughs> chips. With the, with these this hardware, they really are pushing the idea that you can do AAA, as you say, games. Whether that will attract developers, I don't know. But if I was an independent game developer, I'm I, there's at least more of a reason to consider Mac and, and especially iPhone. I think the iPhone stuff with the ray tracing they added on that and the fact that it can play like quote unquote like console games, 
that is even more attractive because we already know mobile gaming is big. That, that the, the platform is big. And we know, at least in North America, that iPhones are very dominant among like younger people. So there's a potential there. I mean, you'd have to do more market research, but I could imagine it's at least worth doing the research to see if uh, it might be a good idea to, to port to the newest iPhone hardware. The or question is, when is that level of processor coming to the Apple TV? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> that would be a good idea, too. Although not as many people, I guess, as an iPhone. <laughs> I do, I mean, but... Probably more than you would you would think, but um, I guess compared Fire, you know, was it a Fire Pro or a Fire Amazon Fire Stick? Like, oh my god, not, I, not I, even close. I uh, I okay now. For, for, to be fair, <clears throat> it's an old one. I got mm-hmm. the 1080p one for an experiment. That is so slow. I mean, it works, but my god, it's slow. Oh. You can't really do anything. Except you know, it's like, like I, was, I was, I was, I was in an Airbnb and I was playing around with one, and it is like janky as like there's jank and then there's this like this the fire it's just like it just you know it takes forever to load and once it loads it takes a while to settle in like you almost have to like walk yep. away make some tea come back and like okay now it's actually like when i press a button it'll actually respond but and even then it's like it takes forever to like go to the next option oh yeah <laughs> however uh it's like you can get the cheapest ones like the 1080p one i think it was like 20 bucks 25 bucks something so sure. if you want to just if you have an old TV and this is the thing I was using for if you have an old TV you want to add something like I was trying to do I was going to I was trying to add a cheap security camera feed to it and you could just buy a $5 piece of software on the App Store on the Amazon stick plug this thing into a TV you already have and and for 20 bucks or whatever 25 bucks whatever it was on sale this Fire Stick has enough power to do that. So if you're just going to have some application that just runs like in kiosk mm-hmm. mode kind of on there it's actually great for that. I mean, it, it's a lot cheaper than an Apple TV, and it doesn't need to be performant of just running the same app all the time. But it was painful to set up. It really was a little less painful, I think, if you connected to your, your Amazon account. But, yeah. I mean, that is the it's, one thing. I Like, having, um, I don't know, Aaron, like, I've been mucking around a lot of different TV, um, smart TVs uh, in our in our work environment, and it's just like, the jank in all of them is just unbelievable. I mean, I get that they're all slow hardware, but yeah, they're running on a potato, so it's yeah, whatever, whatever. Potatoes <laughs> that cost twenty five cents. The it, the chip that they're running on. It, but I mean, it's just so lazy. It just feels like I mean, they, and they and then and then it's just they have the, the the flashiest GUI, which I understand, but it's like it's just like it's barely holding on to like yeah, <laughs> but. So, if the Apple TV undoubtedly will get upgraded at some sure. point. And I think, I mean, it makes sense to me to upgrade it to the latest and greatest, although that is more expensive to do. But if they do that, then they end up being able to claim, make the claim that you can actually run console games on it, which makes it competitive oh, with like a Switch or something. If, if they ever, yeah. which I, it will take a while, because one of the reasons why sometimes I think they just held back a lot, Apple Arcade being their... Uh, game subscription that you can get uh, either by itself um, for dollars a month. Or... I think it's going up. <laughs> well, no, <laughs> it was originally in my bets. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, or with the Apple One, which is like something like twenty bucks or something. But um, uh, but I always thought that the games, while being while particularly nice, were always kind of like almost as if it was coming from like a generation from like even prior to like the 
right in wow. terms of you are like performing or like yeah in terms of like in terms of like um technical um impressiveness impressiveness for lack of yeah i mean it, that demo for the iphone mm-hmm. where they turned on the ray tracing and you're like ooh. um but so uh, it, it makes me sad because like imagine like now if you if you an apple tv with the a17 pro which i'm calling it a17 but whatever that the latest version yeah. is um, oh Can man, that, that, that is a, that is a legit. That would be a legit game changer for the Apple TV. Like in terms of like, hey, here is now a console quality. We'll probably talk about like PS5 quality um, performance on a on a small little like puck of a machine. I mean, that's that's wild when you think about it. Yeah. However. I'll say, uh, maybe it's just anecdotal, but you know, the, like the Switch is popular because it's portable. Now, I don't really use it that way, but I believe that is it, uh, how it's mostly used. I mean, at least that's yeah. enough so that Nintendo added other Switches that weren't even couldn't even hook up to the TV, and right. that that form factor and mobile gaming is of course done primarily on iPhones, and then I guess someone mm-hmm. on iPads sure. and other devices. And as I said before, the demographics show the game playing group, you know, the kids heavily on iPhones and iPads in North America. So if I was a game developer, I think Apple TV, that would be a nice to have. But the mm-hmm. fact that the iPhones starting this year are are having this stuff, so which means starting as early as next year, you'd probably have a decent – you'd have – they'd hand it down in families and so – you, you know, within a couple years, you're going to have a whole bunch of devices that are capable of it's a uh, thing of ray tracing and, and using advanced metal shaders and such. I mean, one strategy I've heard uh, um, a lot of indie devs, maybe even AAA for that matter, they do sort of wait for each platform. Like they take their time. They start with one platform. Let's just say the PlayStation and Xbox, right? Or a set of platforms. And then eventually once they settle in and they kind of get the bugs out the kinks out then they might port it to a pc and then maybe if you know they get some kind of deal or you know you know somehow they manage to pull off oh either through um, a cloud gaming service you know provide the games to that or um they so the basically it's a slow rollout is what i'm getting at right so like you you take right. your time like you commit and you have your big splashy moment in like full, you know, two platforms, make it exclusive for like six months to a year. They like refine the game, fix the bugs, and then properly port it to all the other platforms, um, uh, reasonable shape, right? And then that way, over time, uh, the revenue can keep coming, so to speak. Right. Uh, so that that could be a good strategy to use here, where mm-hmm. you maybe wait a little bit to port it to iOS as the hardware sure. starts coming out. But in the meantime, yeah. you hopefully are, are making revenue on the more established uh, locations. I don't know. That is one thing. I'm not a game developer, so I don't know if that's a smart move, but it sounds logical to me. Sure. And, and you know, and but this is, this again, this is something that is somewhat new. I mean, it's not totally new. There's been games, but if, what uh, I guess what I'm trying to wrap my head around is I didn't grasp at first what the iPhone release was that there was actually something of a step change in abilities of the iPhone for gaming versus before, because they announced like a Resident Evil game, right? And I was like, I thought that game had already come out in mobile. 
and it did right but it was like a different version of it wasn't yeah, Resident- it was like well not that particular version um so there was Resident evil 8 and i think originally that was on the map um and that was actually one of the few games that they actually um their shaders to mess shaders like they actually spent the time and effort right. to actually do a proper port using um metal shaders yeah. but then because they did that i think um get it to compile on the iphone was less of a problem it was not as right. big of, big of a leap what, what i'm saying is what is but the the the, the new hardware with the iphone 15 what it what is it letting you do versus before because we had these we had titles like called resident evil you know uh, ports on the iphone before sure. right just as an example. So what's going to be different going forward with a port? I'm on the impression that the ports are going to now be like, that I see, I didn't play a lot of these games. I didn't I really at all. And so I'm not, it's not clear in my head what's different about them, but I'm guessing that the ports on iPhone were in some way just made de- degraded versus the console versions or smaller or different graphical fit. Something was changed right for them to work. Whereas now they may not have to be as changed. Yeah, so I guess, yeah, they if if they did it, if they spent the time, it would be either like a, a, a like a really dumbed down version or like a really old version. So it's not even like you know how like Resident Evil games, at least the recent series, they have like a remaked version of an old PS One or PS Two game. Yeah. Uh, so they they just recently Resident Evil Four remake, <laughs> which is one of the best GameCube games to ever come out. Um, and I think I remember playing that on the PS2 when they finally ported it to that. Um, but they they remade that game for the PS5. And maybe the PS4, but mostly PS5. And that's coming out on the iPhone. Um, along with a game like Death Stranding, which is an obnoxiously challenging <laughs> Why do they game. keep bringing up that game? Walking simulator game. I don't understand. Well, that from a f- technical fidelity good. point, for, forget yeah, forget the like so, whether or not the mechanics is is any fun. <laughs> um, what's interesting about that, right? So let, let's let's get back to that point about portability, right? This game, very similar. Which, if you want to connect to like a, back, a PS backbone, you can do it. And then now you have like a Switch like kind of gameplay, very similar like a Steam Deck actually, right? Um, and then you can take it out and then connect it with USB, use a USB to HDMI connector to your TV, and then just wireless so connect to your PS5 uh, is, controller. Is the difference that Death Stranding is now only going to work on iPhone 15s and later, or it's going to be Pro. <laughs> Pro and later? Is that what's sure, happened? Yeah. Is it like, is it that you could not have ported it? effectively before this hardware change i'm trying to understand what is the what i, I i'm on the impression that there's that, a big change in the hardware what what is a change that is a that's a really good question actually because i'm I, i'm i've sort of thought about it in my mind one of the interesting things of the wwdc um the things they talked about was they provided a tool right that allowed pc right. game developers to actually test how their game like it was like a translation layer i forgot the term, what the name of it was it was like an open source uh, conversion um uh, yeah it basically translated um um pc gaming um 
there. So DirectX, I forgot the, the API. To, 12 translation layer. It was uh... yeah to 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 be translated to um, directly to um, you know whatever the Mac uh, game, version. I think of that it's is. I think it's a game porting toolkit. Yeah. So people just did that just with kicks and giggles. You know, developers did that for kicks and giggles, and they were like, "I got this game." Or even people who uh, knew how to do it, right? To just you know run the executable on that that port, and they were like, you know, aside from like the fact that it's you know a little janky here and there, it's it wasn't a bad port. Like you could literally probably just get away with just porting that, right? <laughs> and not so... even care about doing any metal conversions. So we we've had now then multiple generations of Apple approving game performance theoretical game performance and the a17 m3 lines are a it looks like they're a big jump because they're adding specific hardware support for things like ray tracing and the m3 i think they said uh they said dynamic gpu caching is a big deal and mating so the combination of these theoretically should mean that an m3 mac and then i guess to a lesser extent, the uh, A17 Pros, so to what extent they share this same hardware, can create game experiences that were not possible at the same fidelity. Either not possible at all, or just not at the same fidelity as before. So while they've been getting better, the games on these devices, we're entering a period now where there's more parity, I think, between an iPhone version of the game, a Mac version of the game, and a console version of the game. Not 100%, but like they're closer than they've ever been. Is that's that's yes. the impression that's the message I'm getting from Apple, and I'm and I trust that they're being correct. And one of the big things they talk about, I think it was dynamic. It was a dynamic caching. Am I remembering the words right? Yes. GPU caching, memory. Mm-hmm. So uh, they were saying that uh, the M3s can basically utilize memory more efficiently. Mm-hmm. So that right. should lead to import, in, improved performance instead of having to allocate memory for the the one item in the in you know that's the the largest amount i mean it's that's like the largest item to go in memory you can just dynamically allocate the memory so i mean you, you do have me like from a from a compile standpoint right mm-hmm. like you were to say okay like maybe i targeted the m the um the m1 or m2 architecture or you know whatever the m series architecture when building my game right then i go well how hard would that convert you know the work would take to actually get that working on the iphone right, right? well like, i mean I wonder like yeah that's that's <laughs> apple's whole plan <laughs> right. they, they want you making it for the for the mac or making it for the iphone and having it be simple to port it to the other one ideally yeah almost no work if you can get away with it they want they want peace they they seem to be really making the public statements and building the tooling to try to get PC games onto the Mac because I think there there's an opportunity for the first time it's, it's since the the Apple Silicon came in play to actually make a, a shot of it because before then before then the Macs were just totally incapable of being decent gaming devices in my view anyway in a lot of people's views I mean it's kind of interesting I've not like I know people crap on Mac apps you know, for Kingdom Come in terms of like people who do native apps. Um, yeah. But I have noticed a slight uptick in native Mac app development by iOS developers because of Swift UI. Yeah. I mean, we, we predicted able- this in our in Philly Coca discussions for years, like with the, the cross platform tooling that Apple is releasing and then especially Swift UI. I mean, why not? The bar is lowered to make something decent, if not mm-hmm. highly polished. And then, 
the amount of work necessary to make a highly polished Mac app is less than it yeah. was before. And yes. even if it's I mean, not like, still a hundred percent as good as like an app kit app. and, and no, that's the, it's a philosoph- <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the philosophical thing. Like, are you yeah, okay yeah. with it being not, uh, not as good as a really highly polished app kit app? I am. I think a lot of people are because you can get pretty far now and it's better to have it on the Mac as a native thing than not at all in my view. But the way I'm looking at it from Apple's point of view, at least the way, the way I'm looking at it from all of the iOS developers at this moment are more or less baby Mac developers. So you could think of it like when a genre has, first comes out, it's not really known to be a genre, right? It's just people just, you know, making this particular type of music or this particular type of art or whatever. And it's, you know, it's all over the place. Like anime, 3D anime was horrible for years, as an example. I can't tell you any horrible 3D anime that I've seen. I was like, they're never going to get this work. <laughs> It's never I think look uh, good. I think most of them were were um, commissioned by Netflix. Sure, sure, yeah, <laughs> you're not wrong. I mean, those <laughs> Ultraman ones, Ultraman was mm. horrible, horrible. Mm. But I saw a recent one, not the Dragon Ball one, but um, even though I heard that was good, but um, there was a uh, an anime called The First Slam Dunk, which mixes 2D with 3D, and I remember thinking, wow, this is really you can you can tell, but you know why they did it, right? So there's some element of like, they've created a, a, a specific style that sort of meshes into itself, almost like a whole new genre of like animation. Um, that I kept thinking like that, like that takes time basically to sort of evolve. So I think like a lot of the, a lot of the, the iOS developers are slowly evolving, um, um, over time to get become really good within two to three years, we'll probably see some really interesting Mac watch and probably vision OS apps. Like I expect the first vision OS to be nothing more than glorified iPad apps for the first year. It'll take them at least two to three years for them to really grok what they can do with it. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it's, it's coming. Yeah. Yeah. It's an opportunity, right? Like mm. um, when I think about like, I've, I've sort of been, um, I guess, sort of like with all the recent layoffs, et cetera, I've sort of gone back to thinking like, you know, one of the things that's interesting about layoffs is that it sort of forces people to sort of rediscover opportunities or re or look for new opportunities, you know, not, not necessarily by choice, but by, by almost like the yep. fact that you have to think about it. Right. And I kept thinking, well, if that situation happens, reason like where are the opportunities where is the next thing right of 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 um sort of technology sort of you know how the alan k line of like you know the future is now it's just not unevenly distributed yeah that kind of yeah. line is just basically saying there's stuff out there that we could sort of like right. choose and then mix into something which, different what you can do is 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 uh pay for a, a subscription to the open ai api and then build literally oh, anything geez. build literally anything slap ai in the name sell it to somebody some vc for some cash uh, i heard like that the 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 hype of that is all dying out partially because you know you're so dependent on open ai like that 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 doesn't create a quote man, unquote the, moat right or like the hype business cycle value. has been quick for this one <laughs> yeah they're, they're, the the cycle is like i don't know about well, you aaron but like like, have you noticed the down of like the hype cycle, or is it just me? 
or like a slow I, know, I wasn't down. I was kind of ignoring it so <laughs> I don't know I uh I have noticed that yes there's to a degree there has been there's also been some some stats I saw recently about like salaries and stuff are are pretty high mm-hmm. for for AI expertise but you know uh, it's from di- it, from, it's uh, is, is, how much how much you get paid being a prompt was it a prompt or prompt engineer i think it's a prompt engineer if you want to be classy it's a prompt engineer if you want to be elite so (laughs) bringing up the 90s hacker speak so the but but a a, quote-unquote ai and i we all know i hate the term ai but the that is an area of growth it's an area that apple silicon chips on for apple developers actually allow you to do more on your device than Mm -hmm. You could have done before. It's like a. It, in fact, didn't Apple even mention that as a use case for the? M- I thought yes, they did very the briefly. <laughs> very briefly, like if very you because you like, you can get you can you can you know uh, take out a. Well, maybe you wouldn't take out a mortgage. It's too expensive now. You could, I don't know, sell your your Tesla if you have one, and then use the money to buy a, a tricked out M3 Max with 128 gigs of RAM and a few terabytes of storage and you could run some significant AI models on there. <laughs> Let's say take a mortgage out to buy it, but no one would do that now. They would have, I know. I was about to say a mortgage would get you like at least three, uh, you know, or a down payment on a mortgage would get you at least like three, um, three. Uh, <laughs> yeah. If three, you were, you were three maxed out MacBook pros. <laughs> if you're like me and you, you had some, you have some dim dream of once owning a home. And so you, 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 you were saving some money, and uh, listen, that the listen, dream has listen, been killed listen, by inflation. Listen, you, you, you could you, use you, the down you, payment you're saving. You, you you can own a timeshare. How's that? I can own a timeshare. Yes, and and an M3 Max because, damn, those chips are expensive. But uh, anyway, the those laptops though are to the beginning. They haven't even come out with an M3 Ultra yet. I mean, that's gonna be double oh, that's right. that. So you're gonna have even more RAM to work with. So. The point is, uh, and these models, there's a lot of work in the open source area to make open source models. Mm-hmm. But as Coltro, you were right on the money, I think, that the, a lot of the active development has not has been in locally run models, models run on your home hardware. People are building PCs to do this stuff. So if you're an Apple developer, you would rather be able to do at least some of this on your Mac, who you're familiar with, and Apple is providing hardware that is capable of this. Well, according to them, anyway, we'll see. I'm, I've never tried it, but uh, if they're not, you know, blowing smoke, then that is an opportunity. If you want to get into AI area, you're not locked out because you're on a Mac. Maybe you're even going to benefit from it. I don't know. We'll see how well it works. So that's that's an area there, especially if you and 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 we talked about before integrating AI models into your apps and mm-hmm. you know on an iPhone, an iPad, and Macs because they have good neural engine support in there and they've good machine learning algorithms, uh, machine learning APIs and hardware support that you can, you can build stuff that runs well on this hardware that is in a lot of people's hands. So that is an actual opportunity now that is provided by the hardware and software changes for the last couple of years. I mean, I don't know. I mean, for me, I, I always prefer the one where the magic trick is kind of very subtle. It almost doesn't present itself as a magic oh, trick. Oh, yeah, the, the, the actual implementations. But the yeah. fact that you can do that now, like, you know, you could use it. Uh, you could you, not even, you can be as flashy as an assistant. You type mm-hmm. to, it could be more like just more traditional machine learning stuff, mm-hmm. you know, identify what's a hot dog, what's a sausage. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's that that's Aaron's new project. <laughs> no, I need something better than that. Hot dog or sausage? Yeah, I mean, right. look, that's so, a challenge. So I, 
wait, to challenge. Oh, hold on, hold on, Aaron, hold on. Because isn't a hot dog you, you a kind of sausage? It is kind of sausage. Well, how do you just can you distinguish between the two if you presented like here's a hot dog and you have a couple hot dogs, right? You could have a Nathan's hot dog, you could have a Long Long Island hot dog, you could have whatever, right? Wait, you have one of those beef right. Frank's Park ones, turkey turkey ones yeah. ones. Um, Veggie hot dogs, which look nasty and don't taste that great. Uh, Amish hot dogs that look delicious. Um, We're just anyway. going through every hot dog known to me. We just list, it's like that scene from Forrest Gump yeah. where he's just listing all the shrimp, the hell of shrimp you, you, dishes. You, 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 get think to the end. So, you think that's so simple, Aaron? The, the, the differentiate yeah. between a hot dog and a hot See, so- and a sausage. You're gonna have to. You're gonna need one of these M3 Maxes you, to train you, that model. You, you're gonna need that. Maybe you need a language like Mojo. Huh? Maybe. maybe. Ooh. Maybe you need Speaking one of those of. languages. Tease us about I mean, Mojo before we go because we're yeah. like running out of time and we've been all over the place. But what is Mojo? Because you've been telling us about this uh, off uh, you've podcast. You've been this thing up. And... I don't know. I, I don't know that much about it. Or... Well, we know even less. <laughs> it's like a, so, yeah. it's a, <laughs> so feel it's free a new, to enlighten us. A new superset of Python from Chris Latner and his modular and trying to make AI tools like much more optimized. Uh, for, in terms of you know being able to write stuff in Python and not have it run ridiculously slow, and and not have to do specialized you know translation in C or something to actually get it to be performant. So it's supposed oh, to handle all the all the optimization that you need to like run it on whatever hardware you want, uh, while still and... being in in Python. It's like your Python code, and then it like compiles it with a bunch of compiler magic that he's known for. And, and uh, it, isn't the, isn't the reason available that we... on the Mac? Right. That's what I was going to say. Just released on the Mac. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like a week or week or two ago, the, the developer tools were released on the Mac. So you can go to the, their website and download them and start playing around with it. I didn't, I didn't get very far with actually trying it out because I need a actual project that, that needs it and not to, hot dog. We just sausage. we we yeah. just gave you an actual project. Come no, on, I mean, that's, I that's mean, a, like literally the, that's a little hello yeah. world. That's yeah, I think there was world. like a no. blog post on their website of like a developer like running the Llama two model. Okay, using that, but uh, I haven't actually got the chance to try it, and I don't know actually what what kind of hardware you actually need to run that. An M3 Max with 128 yeah. gigs of RAM. You, you, That'll you definitely run. Only, only five thousand dollars. I know it's only five thousand dollars. It's right. only. It's only. I mean, no, that's, I remember that's when like I was doing AI displays. stuff. Running out of memory was like always a right. Running out of like GPU yep. memory was always the thing, and I don't even I don't know what I would do with 128 gigs of RAM. That's so probably like, still not enough for in a these lot of cloud stuff. environments where you had like a max of like 28 gigs. Yeah, well, so 100 and 128 gigs. It's like what about the M3 Ultra whenever that gets released? Oh. I mean, I mean, we're talk we're talking about um, uh, studio display money, but I mean, now now we're going <laughs> now, like now. I think we're, we we should, we I know right. We should aspire to like max down. Well, also, you need a Vision max. Pro, so. Whatever. Vision Pro money too. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Apple Apple is opening is creating opportunities, but these opportunities do not come cheap. No, you no. need to buy into yeah. a lot of expensive forget, forget, hardware. Forget, forget the down payment on the mortgage. Yeah, go all in. <laughs> go all yeah. in. To buy uh, every single Apple platform now is 
pretty you know what? There's a project for us. Make a simple app or web page, even <laughs> an app that just tells you how much would it cost to buy one of everything in the <laughs> Apple Store <laughs> of the best configuration of whatever it is. And maybe you can have a little like configurations about like maybe maybe I don't isn't want that, the is, best is, version. Is, isn't that why we have like a chat, like ChatGPT for for those questions? I guess we could try to ask it. I don't. I don't think it's going to be able to actually or, or synthesize that. But being a Bart would probably be better for that, right? If their 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 um, models are a little more up to date, it would give you three generation old <laughs> data. Well, it's it, it it would probably try to go to the website. You could tell it to go to the website, and then it would try oh to my God, read the text. Pull a Siri. <laughs> but it's it's not. It's, I don't think it's going to work well. But I'm saying maybe that is our our. That is a, a little project too. I would just like to know. I'm just yeah. curious. How much would it cost to buy everything that I would want to buy? I should make a spreadsheet and just see, just see how much it it really costs. It like, so, would it so actually be the cost of a? It would definitely be the cost of a car. Would it be the cost of like a? Well, not a house. Maybe a house in 2018. <laughs> I don't know. It would be a lot of money. <laughs> 2018. How about how about how about how about 1980s? <laughs> maybe 1980. Okay, maybe. A, I'm not not counting for inflation, so. counting for but inflation. the 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 fact is though I guess to wrap things up here we were a little all over the place but I guess our point was there's been a lot of stuff even most recently with the with the the scary fast reveal but there's been a lot of changes from because of the Apple Silicon changes and because of software changes that Apple has brought along the last few years as well that have opened up opportunities for developers and not just for developers but as I think we saw with the the scary fast event. If you want to make films, have an iPhone now because far more capable and, and be able to be used in professional workflows. iPads have already been used in a lot of professional uh, settings. So there's it's it's been a really it's a really golden age of Apple hardware if you can afford it <laughs> because you could you could do a lot with it now and the software has gotten a lot better and especially if you're a developer. I think you there's just there's new opportunities now from gaming to film, you know, apps and photography, you know, uh, professional level apps. Vision OS is coming. It, there's just I, it's uh, next couple of years. I think are going to be interesting. I think it'll be interesting once there people can get a handle of utilizing a blend of assuming you can get past the legalese, a blend of sort of the AI and then the you know, in a very subtle way to enhance your art or at least your, your speed of building stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Where you want to go. Then I think that that'll be interesting. I would love it from an animation point of view, just a just a little bit, not too much. Um, but in any case, I, I just want Siri uh, to not be so dumb. I want it to just, when I ask to set a timer, set the bloody timer correctly. That's all I want. You know, when you say bloody, I think that's where it gets confused. <laughs> <laughs> the slang, yeah, it gets it gets confused about that. So it's like bloody timer set. Bloody let me timer. put a, let, let me send you to this web page. <laughs> oh uh, man. Well, anyway, that's all we have for today. You can learn more about Philly Coco at phillycoco.org. There you'll find to our Slack group, meetup schedule, and contact info. If you're feeling generous, please leave a review on Apple Podcast. Uh, Spotify or whatever your podcast platform of choice is and share us with all your developer friends. And one more thing. I have three more jokes. Three more dad jokes. Are they AI generated this time? No, they're horrible Reddit jokes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 
so first one is what do you call eight octopus writing assembly? I don't know what. Arm sixty four. Oh. <laughs> Joke number two. Microsoft hired a team of Amish programmers, but they chron- they were chronically late for work. Their transportation was a little buggy. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> You Don't got Aaron laughing at that one. That's so bad. Don't shake your head, Aaron. I like awful dad slash programmer jokes. <laughs> Look <laughs> eyes when he's causing us pain. <laughs> joke number last joke. Last joke. Promise. Uh, this JavaScript. Uh, this Java programmer wrote a book so controversial that everybody goes brutally after him, and he must flee. What, what was the it? book's name? Write once, run everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> run anywhere, I should say. <laughs> run anywhere. Oh, goodness. Programmer Til humor. Next <laughs> Till next time. Good luck on your own developer journey. We will cheer for you always. You know, identify what's a hot dog, what's a sausage. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's that that's Aaron's new project. <laughs> <laughs>